Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Um, I am really hoping that we can get through today without any glitching noises. I actually have no idea what's causing this. I thought it was my microphone and I got a new microphone and there was at least one glitch last week. So I don't know what it is. If anyone else does, let me know. I'm really glad that you're joining me for this episode because today we're going to tackle a subject that I've seen come up a lot on social media, and that's whether coaching is part of the burnout problem. I actually ran across it pretty recently. I was scrolling through Facebook and someone on one of the Dr. Mom Facebook pages was asking for tips to help with burnout, and she added in big capital letters, and don't say coaching. Well, of course, that got my attention, and I couldn't help but scroll through the comments. It was really interesting. Almost none of the comments were related to the original poster's request, which was tips for dealing with burnout. Instead, it seemed to be an equal mix of people venting about how they think coaching is terrible and coaches trying to convince them that they're wrong. And there are a whole lot of big feelings on display. I didn't contribute because usually no good comes from trying to argue with strangers on the internet, but it was really interesting to read. So, is coaching part of the problem? I'd love to just say no, it definitely isn't. And I am definitely going to spend some time explaining why I think it's not. But to be honest, I can see how if it wasn't used correctly and if it was in the wrong hands, it could be part of the problem. But first, let's break down the arguments. So the people who were advocating against coaching were of the mindset that coaching is a problem for basically two reasons. One, it's making people be complacent and just allowing the medical establishment to abuse them. Or two, too many physicians are leaving medicine to become coaches. All right, so let's look at reason number one. I can see how someone who has no experience with coaching might think this. They might not know that you can drop your resentment or indignation or whatever emotions are ruining your life and still work for change. They might think that if you're not furious all the time about how the system is so terrible, then you're essentially condoning it. They might think that you need your rage to fuel you to stand up and have your voice heard. And for some folks, I guess that might be how they best operate. In my experience, though, that's usually not the case. For most people in professional settings, they're going to be more effective at problem solving, creative thinking, and getting their voice heard when they're coming from a rational and logical place and not from rage and resentment. For most of us who coach physicians, our goal is not to make them love their job exactly how it is and never try for something better. We actually don't care at all whether people keep their jobs or not. The goal of coaching is to help folks examine the part of their experience that's within their control, evaluate it, and be able to consciously decide what to keep and what to get rid of. And for the docs who are really burned out, this can be exactly what they need to help them get out of the fog just enough to be able to even recognize and process what's happening around them. So I think this argument comes from a lack of knowledge about the process of coaching and the goals. The goal of being coached about a problem is not always to feel better about it. In fact, most coaches believe that you should be experiencing negative emotions about half the time because that's the normal human experience. The theory is that if you're just trying to be happy, happy, joy, joy about everything all the time, you're probably fooling yourself or buffering yourself into oblivion. 
Once someone is beyond the fundamentals of the coaching process, one of the things that we work on is how to experience negative emotions and let them pass through you. But sometimes a client might try to make everything happy, probably not intentionally, but a client who doesn't yet have experience with feeling their emotions might approach a problem they're having and ask the coach for help coming up with a new way to think about it so they don't have to feel miserable. And this is where it's the coach's job to recognize when a client is just trying to stuff down something negative. This is where maybe a not-so-great coach might not recognize and point out that there seem to be some emotions that need some processing and ask the client if they want help with it. I actually had kind of the opposite situation happen to me once. I had slipped up and said something unprofessional at work, and I was overheard. I felt really embarrassed and shamed about it. I scheduled a coaching session to help work through it because it just kept coming back to me in waves, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I told the coach, whom I had never met before, that I wanted help processing shame. Her response was, oh, you want to punish yourself? That's why you're dwelling on it? Well, I don't really think that was the best coaching advice. I had to explain that no, I was not trying to punish myself, and I wasn't beating myself up. I just wanted to process it and work through it and feel it in my body and let it pass through. It did work out. Eventually, I was able to explain my needs, and we got through it. The initial part of that call was an outlier, though. I've never had any other coach try to direct me away from something important. So no, in most coaches' hands, it's definitely not about trying to get people to feel complacent, but I do understand how both clients and coaches might be lured into doing just that if they aren't paying attention. Well, how about the second argument, that too many docs are leaving medicine to become coaches? I think the true argument there isn't about the number of people leaving clinical medicine, although maybe it should be, as I don't think any of us want to grow old in an era of a critical shortage of doctors. But I think it's really what they're trying to say is, why should we believe someone who tells me they can help me get rid of my burnout and presumably stay employed in medicine when that person themselves just left medicine? Like, if coaching is so great, why didn't it just fix you and you went along your merry way doing your patient care? So I can definitely understand that, too. It seems almost hypocritical on the surface. But my honest assessment is that I don't think that's actually the case. I think most of the people who left medicine to become full-time coaches had a combination of things going on. One, they found the impact of coaching on all areas of their life was so amazing that they just really needed to share it with as many people as possible. That's me. And or two, it might be that their heart wasn't in medicine in the first place. That's definitely not me. What I can say is that it would be nearly impossible for someone who's gone through the coach certification process to make a decision like that, leaving medicine and starting a new career, because they thought the medical establishment was evil and unfixable and they just had to get out. We really get a lot of training on how to sort through facts versus beliefs and evaluating the true facts of a situation and weighing those when making decisions. I don't know. I just, I don't see that happening, at least not very often. I personally know tons of docs who have gone through coaching on the client side, found it extremely helpful, and went on their way back to patient care. And I happen to be one of them. Never say never, but at this moment in time, I can't imagine leaving medicine to take up coaching full-time. I love what I do far too much for that. 
But I also really want docs who are struggling to know that there's help available, and I love being part of that solution. So while I completely understand where people are coming from when they say coaching is part of the problem, I have to disagree. I do recognize, though, that it isn't for everyone. We all have to find our own paths, and what works for me might not work for you. Here's another layer to things. When you're all caught up in big and scary emotions, they consume so much of your physiologic resources that there's not much left over for reasoning. What the anger ends up fueling most of the time is complaints. And don't forget, one of my mottos is that a criticism without a suggestion is just a complaint and complaints don't fix things. And the people advocating against coaching might be thinking, but we shouldn't have to be the ones to fix this. We didn't create the system. We're just being subjected to it, and it shouldn't be our job to come up with solutions. I completely agree with that. But I don't see anyone doing that, at least not very many people. And if no one's going to do it for us, what's the solution? Just stay in a system that you think is abusive and complain about it and be miserable because on principle, someone else should be fixing it for you? Well, that just doesn't appeal to me. There's plenty of natural misery out there. I don't feel the need to amplify it. I want to help people be well enough that they can think clearly and be empowered to advocate for change when they feel change is needed and walk away if that's their best option. But to do so from a good, pure place, a place of deciding that this is not for me and I choose to do something else rather than taking their villain or helpless story with them because they'll take it to the next job too. One last tidbit on the subject of coaching in general, how to choose a coach. My personal belief is that everyone needs a coach, although I know not everyone agrees. And the good news is there are tons of us out there, so chances are there's a coach who will be a good fit for you. Some are in giant practices where you can schedule an appointment pretty much any time of the day or night, but you might not get to pick who coaches you. You might even just have a random person show up in the Zoom and have no advanced knowledge of who it's going to be. And you might not ever get the same coach twice. If flexibility of timing is the most important thing to you, a very large group like that might be a good fit. If you have a particular topic that comes up for you over and over, there's a good chance that there's a coach or coaching program targeting that exact problem. There are coaches for overeating, overdrinking, gaining confidence, managing money, you name it. Those might be somewhat rigid with a structured program of modules to complete, group coaching sessions, and or one-on-one coaching sessions. They can be great for focusing on a single topic, but again, likely to employ multiple coaches and you may or may not get to choose. If you really prefer the idea of working with the same person for an extended period of time so you don't feel like you're starting over and re-explaining your background every session, pick a one-on-one coach. You'll definitely get more consistency, but you might have to be creative with scheduling as a one-on-one coach is just not going to be able to offer the same range of appointment slots as a group can. Also, it doesn't have to be someone in your medical specialty or in medicine at all. While it might seem like it would be nice to not have to explain the background every time, and it is nice, I agree, sometimes it can be really helpful when someone has no prior assumptions about your work and they can see it from a fresh perspective and call BS on you. Some of the best coaching I've gotten was from non-physicians. I'd be explaining something about my job that everyone knows is just a fact and they'd say, "Um, yeah, that's not a fact. That's not true at all. And then I'd be like, 
oh, okay, it actually can be really enlightening. Lastly, do a trial session. Most of us offer those for free, no commitments. We don't want to be coaching someone who feels like they don't understand what they signed up for or who feels like they're not a good fit. So take advantage of that. What do you have to lose? I want everyone who's looking for coaching to find a good fit. If you think it might be me, go to whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule a free consult. I can still accommodate a few more clients at the moment. Okay, thanks for joining me. See you next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.